Welcome. Here is this past Sunday's sermon from Grant Memorial Church. Good morning, church. Thank you. Good morning. That feels nice. I really like that. (laughs) Thank you for joining us this morning, whether you are here in person or whether you have joined us online. I am thankful that we have the opportunity to gather together as a community this morning to learn from God's Word and to worship Him together. Today, we will be continuing our sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit. Throughout the summer, we have been walking through this list in Galatians 5 together. And each week, we have discussed a different characteristic on the list of the fruit of the Spirit. And together, we have been learning about how God works in us through the Holy Spirit to make us more like Christ. Let's begin by rereading our main passage for today, which we've heard many times, but it certainly bears repeating. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. It says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, this list, this passage, summarizes nine different qualities that the Holy Spirit produces in the life of a Christian. In this passage, Paul is describing the characteristics, the things that should mark the lives of those who are being transformed by the Spirit. In short, it's a list of what we should expect to find in the life of a faithful Christ follower. And over the last few weeks, we have explored the first five characteristics on this list. We have learned together about how God works in us as we walk by the Spirit to become more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, more patient, and more kind. And each week, we have been reminded that that our growth in these areas, our ability to grow in these areas does not come from us, it comes from God. And he will work in us to make us more like Christ as we grow in our personal relationship with him. I hope and pray that you have been encouraged by this sermon series as I have. It has been so good to be reminded that we can grow in these areas by his strength. And it is especially encouraging to be reminded that our ability to grow in these characteristics is not dependent on us. Rather, it is dependent on God and His strength. So this morning, we will continue our mini-series on the fruit of the Spirit by discussing the sixth characteristic on this list, which is goodness. We will discuss what goodness means in our passage, as well as how we can grow in goodness as we follow Christ together. Now, I'll say right here at the beginning that goodness can be a very broad topic to explore. It's found throughout Scripture. There's no shortage of references to goodness. But my hope and prayer is that all of us come away from this morning with a deeper love for our good Father, as well as a renewed passion for serving our neighbors by doing good in our everyday lives. And this morning, we will be asking the three main questions that we have been using to guide our conversation during the last few weeks about each characteristic. First, what is goodness? Second, how is God good? And third, what does it look like for God to embody goodness in us? 
Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this morning, and thank you for this church community, Lord, that each week we can come back together, whether here in person or online, to worship you and to learn from your word. I pray that this morning we would be reminded of your goodness. Father, that we would remember that you are good to us. You are good in all of your ways. And as a result of your goodness, Lord, and as you grow it in us through the Holy Spirit, may we also learn and reflect on what it means to bring that goodness with us into our everyday lives, to serve and bless our neighbors all around us, wherever we find ourselves. In your name we pray. Amen. So this morning, our first question is simply, what is goodness? As with the previous weeks of our sermon series, we will begin by defining this sixth characteristic on the list of the fruit of the Spirit. It's really important that we understand what is meant by goodness in this passage because this is something the Holy Spirit produces in our lives. We should know what it is. We should know what it looks like. And though we all use the word good many times in our everyday lives, it turns out that this can be a very difficult word to define. In our world, the word good has many different definitions. In fact, this week, I looked up the word in an Oxford Canadian English dictionary, but I'm not going to read you the definition, because the definition for good, as, long as, as well as the associated words, was over a page long with dozens of different uses. I reflected a bit this week on what comes to mind for me when I hear the word goodness, or just good, and here are just a few brief examples. First of all, I remembered that when I was young, I was often instructed to be good. This is something that my parents usually said to me when I went off to school each day. Now, as a student who loved to talk in class and who loved to make his friends laugh and really didn't understand why the teachers didn't find me as funny as I found me, I admit that I needed to be reminded to be good a lot. In this context, uh, being good simply meant being respectful or obedient of my teachers. It was a simple way of saying, do what you're supposed to do and don't do what you're not supposed to do. Very simple. But when you're as funny as I was in grade two, doesn't matter. You're going to make those jokes. I've also recently noticed that on YouTube, there are entire channels of videos that are referred to as feel-good videos. Now, I think these became especially popular during the COVID-19 lockdowns because everyone was excited to share videos that were uplifting during a time of, of fear and uncertainty. There was even a, a channel that came up on YouTube, some of you might remember, called Some Good News, where people just shared good, happy things that were happening in their lives. In these videos, and in a lot of ways that it's used in our culture, the word good meant positive and encouraging and heartwarming. Now, on a personal note, I have to admit that I have always loved these kinds of videos. For example, if you come up to me and you show me a video of a dog, a golden retriever, running across a field to greet his owner, who is a soldier who's come back from serving overseas, there's a 100% chance you're going to look back at me and I'm going to have tears in my eyes. We all use the word good many different times in many different ways throughout our lives. When people ask us how we're doing, we say, good. 
even if that's not an honest answer. I have to admit that if you ask me how I'm doing, I will immediately answer, good, how are you? Without even thinking about what I mean by that. After a long day at work, we say that we're looking forward to a good night's rest. If we like a restaurant or a movie, we tell our friends that it's good. But we also sing in our worship songs, including lots that we sing here at Grant, that God is good. Do we mean the same thing by all of these different words? Do they mean the same thing towards God and towards our favorite pizza place? This is a word that a lot of us use throughout our day, but I think it's fair to say a lot of us would have a hard time defining it. So as we read our passage and we learn that we are invited to grow in goodness through the work of the Spirit, what does this word mean? Well, as Christ followers, it is important that we turn to Scripture to be our authority to answer this question. What is goodness? Though it is clear that good can be a difficult word to define, especially if we are looking at the different ways it is used around us, there is an answer in Scripture. And though we are surrounded by many different answers, we should turn to Scripture to find it. In Paul's list of the fruit of the Spirit, the, the Greek word that is used here for goodness is agathosune. Uh, this word is made up of two Greek words, agathos, which means good in a broad sense, and the suffix sune, which refers to having a quality or condition. So this word, agathosune, simply means the quality of being good. This Greek word is often translated as goodness, as you've seen in our passage, but it also has connotations of kindness and generosity. There is an active outward sense to this word. This word in scripture is used to refer to doing good. Uh, one Bible dictionary defines it as an uprightness of heart and life. This word refers to aligning our hearts and then living our lives in the good way that God commands us to. In other words, to live our lives, especially in how we act towards other people, in a way that God considers to be good. Throughout the series, we have been reminded that each of the characteristics on this list reflects the character of God himself. Every one of these attributes, like love and joy and peace, come from God himself, and he's the one who produces them in us through the work of the Holy Spirit. We need to be reminded of this truth as we go through this passage because it is so easy to find ourselves depending on ourselves and our strength to grow in these characteristics. I know I've done that before in my life, and I'm sure you have too. We want to be good on our own strength. We want to act good and be good towards others on our own strength. But as we'll learn together this morning, that is simply not possible. And as we read through Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, we learn that goodness is not simply defined by words. It's not just a dictionary entry. The answer to the question, what is goodness, is ultimately not found in the dictionary or, or our cultural standard at the time. It's the person of God himself. God is revealed in Scripture to be good, and he alone is the standard of goodness. So to answer this first question, what is goodness, we actually need to answer the next question, which is how is God good. In Psalm 119, the psalmist writes this verse as he addresses God. 
You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. This verse is helpful for us because it teaches that God is good in both his character, who he is, and his actions, what he does. In other words, that he is good and that he does good. And this morning, we're going to briefly examine both of these aspects of God's goodness as we answer the question, how is God good? Throughout Scripture, God is revealed to be fully, perfectly, and infinitely good. This means that he is without any evil or sin and that he is the only one who is truly and completely good. Now, this may not be a new idea for a lot of us. If you grew up in the church then you're probably familiar with the expression, God is good all the time, and all the time, very good. Now, though we have heard this phrase many times in our churches and worship songs, and though we maybe have even forgotten how deeply true and important this truth is, Scripture consistently affirms it to be true. From the very beginning of Scripture, where God created the heavens and the earth, to the end of Scripture, where we are reminded about the hope we have for the future, God's goodness is an essential theme throughout the whole Bible. Though God is good may be a very simple statement, and one that we all heard from a young age, it is profoundly important to our understanding of God, and it is a foundational truth for us to remember. Good is an essential attribute, an essential part of God's character. Here are a few verses from the Psalms that refer to God's goodness. Psalm 34 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Psalm 86 says, You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Psalm 100 says, For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Psalm 107 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 135 says, Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praise to his name, for that is pleasant. And Psalm 145 says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor, I'm sorry, this glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. And these verses are just a few examples from the Psalms throughout Scripture. God is defined and referred to as good, as being full of goodness, and as being the source of all goodness. Now, before we move on, it's important for us to understand that these passages in Scripture are not merely saying that God is good in the way that you or I would say that our favorite restaurant or a movie we like is good. It's not an evaluation of God based on an external scale or standard of goodness. It's a statement about the fundamental part of God's nature. God is good. 
God, in both his character and actions, does not conform to a standard of goodness that we have created. Rather, he himself is the standard of goodness. Goodness is a part of who he is. So in a sense, as we learn more about him and his character, we are actually also learning more about goodness itself. For example, if you want to know how long something is, you might use a ruler to measure it. If you hold an object up to a one-meter ruler, and it's exactly half of that ruler, then you know it's half a meter. And the way you know this is because the ruler is your standard. That's your measure for the length of other objects. In the same way, though nothing else measures up to him, God is the measure for goodness. He himself, in all of his character, all of his actions, is goodness himself. It's not as if we have an external way or another way to measure what good means, and we've measured God against it, and it turns out he matches it. No, he himself is the standard or the ruler of goodness. And in addition to being completely good, Scripture also affirms that God always does good. In other words, everything that God does is itself good because he himself is fully good. Throughout the whole of Scripture, we can see his goodness through his works to his people and through his work even in our own lives, our own testimonies, our own experiences, we can experience his goodness as well. As his children, we experience God's goodness in all kinds of ways, especially through expressions of his other characteristics, his love, his mercy, and his kindness towards us, for example. As discussed, the original Greek word in our passage has connotations of kindness and generosity, and it would be impossible for us to fully understand or express this kindness and generosity that God has shown to each of us. The greatest demonstration of God's goodness is the love that he has shown us through Christ's death and resurrection. The word gospel means good news or good message. And the best good news that we will ever receive is that Jesus took on our sin by dying on the cross. And he conquered death when he rose from the grave. And through his death and resurrection, we receive forgiveness of sins and life eternal with God. How could there be a greater expression or act of goodness? As we discussed in the first week of our sermon mini-series, this is how we know what love is. Because God is good, he sent his son to die for us. And he shows us unending grace and mercy as he draws us into a personal relationship with him. But scripture also teaches that we experience God's goodness in many other ways in our lives. In James 1.17, we are reminded that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. All the good things that we experience in our lives come from God. There are so many ways that God is good to us, and it would take a lifetime to name them all. Primarily, as we've discussed, we experience God's goodness through the good news of the gospel. But to name just a few other ways that God is good to us, he shows us goodness in hearing and answering our prayers. He shows us his goodness in walking with us and comforting us through difficult seasons. He shows his goodness by blessing us with family 
and friends and community. These are good gifts that come from a good God. Author A.W. Tozer puts it this way, the goodness of God is infinitely more wonderful than we will ever be able to comprehend. And as our passage from James says, every good thing in our lives comes from God because he is good. Now, before we move on, I want to acknowledge that it can be difficult to trust in God's goodness when we are walking through a difficult season in our lives. There are times in each of our lives where we may doubt the goodness of God, where we may wonder if he truly loves us and whether or not he is truly working for our good. This is a question that Christians have worked through and wrestled with throughout all of church history. And unfortunately, this morning, we don't have time to get into um, all of the arguments and reasoning behind God's goodness in that context. But I will say this. If that's where you are right now, if you're walking through a season where you are doubting God's goodness because of what you are experiencing, then I want you to know that you are not alone in asking those questions and that as a church, we would love for you to reach out to us so that we can walk with you. In summary, to answer our first and second questions together, the answer is that goodness is God himself in both his character and his actions. He himself is good in everything that he is and everything that he does. So this brings us to our third and final question. What does it look like for God to embody goodness in us? Or asked differently, how do we grow in goodness in our lives? How can we learn what it means to embody the particular kind of doing good that is described in our passage? I'm sure we all have a desire to grow in goodness and to live good lives that bless other people, but it can be pretty difficult to know how to get there. Since God is the source and the standard of all goodness, then any goodness in us comes from him. And the way that we know that we are growing in goodness is when we are growing in the other characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, which are themselves also attributes of God. Though we will never perfectly achieve God's goodness, the way that we know we are growing in it is if, as we are being transformed by the Spirit, we are looking more and more like Christ, more and more like the people described by the fruit of the Spirit each day. William Tyndale, an early translator of the Bible into English, put it this way, God's goodness is the root of all goodness, and our goodness, if we have any, springs out of his goodness. Because the truth is that as we read through Scripture and discover God's goodness, we also discover an uncomfortable truth, which is that we, in contrast to God, are not good. In Romans chapter 3, 10 to 12, we are reminded that there is no goodness in us apart from God. That passage reads this. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have become, they have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And this brings us back to one of the fundamental points of our whole sermon series, 
which is that we can't grow in goodness on our own. No matter how much we may try to be good, no matter how much we may grit our teeth and clench our fists, we are fallen people who live in a fallen world and we can't grow in goodness on our own. So then what does it look like for God to embody goodness in us? Well, as a reminder, the Greek word that is used in this passage, agathosune, refers to an uprightness of heart and life. In other words, as we consider the original meaning of the word, it has both an internal and an external quality to it. For us to grow in goodness means for us to grow on the inside, our heart, but then also to change our lives on the outside. As with the other characteristics that we have discussed throughout the summer, the growth begins inside of us as God transforms us from the inside out, but then it works its way out into our everyday lives through our words and our actions. So first, for, God, for us to grow in goodness, God will work in us to transform our hearts and our minds to value His definition of good. We need God to transform us from the inside out so that we can learn to redefine what we value as good. Because if we are not good, as Romans 3 teaches, then we need our minds to be changed so that we can learn to value and to live according to what God values to be good. Here's how Paul describes that process in Romans 12. He writes that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And then we will be able to test what is, test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. As we read scripture and grow in our personal relationship with him each day, we will learn more about what God considers to be good and what he considers to be not good. Even in Galatians 5, we've already read about this contrast. Just a few verses before our main passage for today, we are given a list of things that are not good, things that are sinful. In reading these verses, we learn that hatred, for example, is not good, which makes sense if you consider that our standard of goodness is a loving God. And as we grow in our knowledge of God through Scripture and the Holy Spirit, we will learn more and more what is good according to Him. And we need Him to transform us from the inside out, to learn to love what is good, rather to love what is evil or sinful. Here's one example that I think is relevant for many of us. In our world today, self-interest is not only accepted, it's often celebrated. From the business world to social media, the world often encourages us in explicit and implicit ways to put ourselves ahead of other people, to look out for number one. We are sometimes encouraged to measure our success in life based on what we can accomplish and what we can accumulate for ourselves. But if we're honest, it's not just the world telling us to do this. If you're like me, then you are naturally drawn to self-interest. You naturally want to put your interests ahead of the interests of other people. You want to get ahead, even at the expense of others. Our default human condition seems to be to value things like selfish, self-interest, that God does not consider to be good. 
As we read through Scripture, on the other hand, we learn that God does not consider selfishness or self-interest to be good. In fact, what is regarded as good in Scripture is to put our neighbor's interests before our own. In Philippians 2, we learn that we are called to, in humility, value others above ourselves. That we are called to look not only to our own interests, but to the interests of others. And even to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who laid down his life for us, who sacrificed himself for our behalf. This is what God says is good. Not prideful self-interest, but humble selflessness based on the life and example of Christ. And we need him to change our hearts and minds from the inside out, to learn to value and love and live according to what he considers to be good because he is the standard of goodness. And next, for us to grow in goodness, God will work in us to bring his goodness into our lives and then into the lives of the people around us through our words and actions. As with the other characteristics we've discussed, God transforms us first on the inside, but then our lives will change on the outside as well. And as Christ followers, we are called to live out goodness in our lives by doing good in the lives of other people that are around us every day. As we've mentioned, the word goodness in this passage is closely related to the previous word, kindness. There is a sense of generosity. There is a sense of outward love in action. We are called to do good towards others and to live our lives with the kind of active love, kindness, and generosity towards our neighbors that our good God showed us and that Jesus, our good shepherd, exemplified throughout his life. In Ephesians 2, verse 10, Paul teaches that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In the next chapter of Galatians, which we will explore in a few weeks, Paul encourages us to not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. To grow in goodness means to grow in following God's word by living how he commands us to live. It means that we are invited each day to be the hands and feet of Christ to our neighbors in our everyday lives, at work, at home, at school, here at church. God works through us to express goodness towards other people in all kinds of ways through acts of kindness and love. We serve a good God who showed us the act, ultimate act of love and sacrifice by sending his son to die for our sins, so we too are called to be radically, sacrificially loving and kind towards others. The expression of this is different for each of us, and there are so many creative ways to be good, to do good for other people. We simply need to look for those opportunities around us and ask God to work through us. And as we grow in goodness, through the work of the Holy Spirit, the result will be a life that is characterized by a desire to bless those around us by faithfully serving them in love. Friends, throughout our sermon series, especially in the first few chapters of Galatians, we have been reminded that we are saved by grace 
through faith in Christ, not by our good works. There is nothing that we can do to earn God's love for us. This is the good news of the gospel. And for those who are in Christ, we are invited to walk by the Spirit each day in our lives, to to grow in our personal relationship with God, and then to grow in the fruit of the Spirit as God transforms us from the inside out. And as this happens, Scripture teaches that we will grow in goodness, meaning that our hearts and lives will be changed as we learn to love what God calls good and to serve our neighbors by doing good. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it reveals to us who you are. Thank you that through it, from beginning to end, we read over and over again, we are constantly reminded, Lord, of your goodness. That you are a good God who loves us, who shows us grace and mercy. And thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us on our own. Thank you that you, first of all, save us through the death and resurrection of Christ, but then you call us to something. You sanctify us. You change us. You transform us. You invite us into a full life that's lived not for ourselves, but for you and for the good of the people around us. I pray that even over this next week, each of us in our church community can take time to reflect on what it means to grow in goodness. First, by growing deeper in our love and knowledge of you, and then inviting you to change us, to value what you call good, and then to do good, whatever that may look like in our lives, and to not grow weary, as your word says. Thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you for leading us. We pray that you would be glorified as we continue to live our lives by your power in honor of you. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening with us. For more information about our church or upcoming services and events, please visit us at grantmemorial.ca or on social media at at grantmemorialchurch.com.